Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the BMcast. Not a podcast that brings an inappropriate anime playmat to FNM and then tries to defend it by stating that the character might look like a child but is canonically 700 years old, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I am Scott and I'm joined by the double master's stonks broker herself, Emma. How are you doing this week? Firstly, well done on that intro. <laughs> yeah, that took a couple of takes. Yeah, um, I'm doing well. Um, I'm fresh off a camping trip from the Midlands, so I'm feeling all nice. sprighty and rejuvenated. Just Lovely. took a week out and did absolutely nothing and it was great. I uh, haven't played a massive amount of Magic, but I've been buying up a lot of Double Masters singles because it's been mm. about a week now since Double Masters came out. Um, and as a result, mm. everyone's just been cracking packs and flooding the market with Double Masters stuff. So it's a good opportunity to pick up some Chase Commons and Uncommons. So, for example, um, cards like Path to Exile are like three bucks each at the moment, which is close to what we were talking about the other week, how we want Path to Exile to be yeah. um, like a couple of bucks Uncommon. You know, Double yeah. Masters is doing that. And Fatal Push is a great one. It's just over $1 now as well, which is great. For, That's good. Which is really good. Yeah. And my favourite one, which if you followed the BMCast Twitter you would have saw last week, is uh, Mistress Bauble, which is just under $3 each at the moment. Yeah, which that is, dropped. Seriously. Yeah, it's, Mistress Bauble is a really weird card because it's a really unique effect, yet it yeah. just has this potential just to be really powerful because it's a zero mana draw card. And also you get to peek at whoever's top of the library. Yeah. But yeah, just for like a playset for $12 just seems really good. And it, yeah. I suspect it's just going to go back up at some point because there will be something that just breaks it yeah. in half. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's, there's also just a lot of modern decks that run it anyway. So Yeah, and also just yeah. checking before the show, like Manamorphose is like $4 each now as well because it was reprinted really? in Double Masters. Yeah, I didn't even know it got reprinted. And nice. I was like, okay, I should probably pick up a set of those as well just to put in the war <laughs> chest. But yeah, yeah. um... Going back to what I said earlier, uh, on the BMCast Twitter, we do have a card of the week. Every Friday, yeah. we show off a card that is really super playable and modern that is also super cheap. Last week, it was Mistress Bauble, and even a couple of listeners picked up a set going, oh, didn't know that was reprinted. Bought a set. So you should follow it for some Magic the Gathering stonks. Absolute stonks. Much stonks. <laughs> How about you? What have you been up to? A good bit this week, actually. Uh, Magic-wise, I've been looking into Gladiator. It seems real fun. Mm. If um, if anyone doesn't know what that is, that's a singleton format that uses all the cards that are available on Arena. And it's organized by uh, the same people that do Canadian Highlander and stuff. Yeah, it's it's really cool. Really cool format where a lot of different things are viable. Um, and it's nice and cheap, too, because you only need one of everything. Mm. Also, Mono Blue Tron is now assembled. All my pieces have finally arrived. Yes. So, How do you feel? Uh, dirty. <laughs> good. <laughs> dirty, but in a good way. Uh, and then also uh, this week's article, which by the time you're listening, this week's article will have just gone live. And it's a deep dive into Twiddlestorm, which was the budget combo deck that we were talking about in the $100 Modern Color Challenge for Blue. So if you want to check that out, it's over on Hipsters of the Coast as well. Actually, nice. what was your um, what was your article this week? I took the challenge of building Grixis Death Shadow on a budget. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I've kind of championed myself, mistakenly perhaps, to look at building Death Shadow on a budget. And as, as we all know, Death Shadow has different flavors and pairings and stuff because it's a highly mm. flexible archetype you can do whatever um so my last article was about one of black death shadow as like a 
point of reference as like a base mm. then i converted that into auto death shadow which saw a little bit of success on magic online sometimes runs stoneforge mystic just because it can because you yeah. know white cards are good at the moment mm-hmm. and now expanded that into grixis mardu and esper death shadow for this week um and that will be on tcg player infinite so you can check it out it's hard work because fetch lines aren't cheap <laughs> I'll be honest. No, not. <laughs> it's really weird to write about a budget deck that starts at $400. But when you look at Death Riggs' Death Shadow, it's like a $1,200 deck. So yeah, you're saving a third, which isn't bad, but you kind of have to understand there are some things that you just need to pick up, like stuff like Fort Season Fetch mm. Lands, just so essential. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I'm looking to do Full Colour and John Death Shadow. So that's going to be fun. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but slight tangent but um outside of magic personally i've been playing a lot of darkest dungeon um as a way to wind down after getting knocked out dozens and dozens of times in fall guys yeah Um, i kind of really (laughs) want to try fall guys because it looks really fun i've been watching um new what the nami streamer on twitch and it's just like yeah this Mm. looks like a lot of fun however there is a lot of jerks so yeah when it's fun it's fun and when people are jerks people are jerks now i know that that is part of the pull of the game the draw of the game you know is to to do just mess around and just do dumb stuff and and annoy people and everything but sometimes people just want to also just play and have fun and you know being a jerk doesn't really work well with that it doesn't Mm. gel very well but maybe maybe i'm just salty because i've been eliminated several times by (laughs) people standing at the finish line and just grabbing me and throwing me over the edge but you know yeah but like, yeah, what are you going to do? Mm. <laughs> um, another thing as well, I've been learning how to play Go. Do you know Go? I do not know Go. What is Go? Go is, it, the easiest way to describe it to people is it looks like checkers or drafts. Right. You're either black or you're white and you put pieces down and you have to try and capture territory and stuff. It's really weird. It's really hard. It's an it's an old, old game. Like, I think it's possibly older than chess. Oh, wow. And it's so so complex i've played like 20 games after watching like three hours of lessons and i have no idea what i'm doing i have absolutely no idea it feels like everything that i've learned strategy and tactic wise and magic has been of absolute no help whatsoever (laughs) i feel like an idiot every time i go to play a game because i'm like ah yes i'll employ that thing that learned in that lesson and then the ai on the on the like dum-dum level is like (laughs) blow you out it's just it's so complex i don't i don't understand how it could be so difficult like all you're doing is just putting little stones down and then like trying to capture stones and areas and stuff and like that's it there's like it's the the concept is so simple but it's so deep Mm. i don't know how i don't know how it is i don't know how it works but uh yes so i was on a little bit of a tangent there but it's all good what are we gonna do today though so we had a little break last week because surprise ban announcement um now we are back on our $100 Modern Colour Challenge. And this week we're going to be lighting up the stage mm. with the colour red. Yes. Yes. We will indeed. For those who are tuning in for the first time, Scott and I have been going through every colour of magic to offer a $100 budget um, modern staples, what to pick up if you're not too sure where to start with the format. Um, we don't go through the whole list in detail because that would take literally hours. Um, so what we do is we highlight what cards to pick up and the role of that colour in the format. And granted, that yeah. that role can change, but we're just talking about in the present sort of metagame. Yep. So Scott and I both have a list each on what we think you should pick up in modern in that respect of colour. 
Um, they are yes. in. They are always in the show notes when we talk about it. So if you check the show notes, all the links are there. Yep. All right. Well, first of all, why would you play red? Well, I mean, burn aggro removal like that's that's kind of our first umbrella in which to put cards under i guess like you'll you'll notice this as we go on there there are actually so many different reasons to play red at the moment that we actually had to squeeze burn aggro and removal all into one bracket right so when it comes to aggro you know the the usual suspects are here like goblin guide goblin guide's quite cheap right now because burn isn't particularly prevalent so if you were thinking well i want to play burn maybe in legacy as well or in modern or whatever now's and it got reprinted in double masters just going to keep saying that throughout this episode because double <laughs> masters is great and you should be buying up singles <laughs> so double masters equals double stonks yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and then yeah other other aggressive cards like monastery swift spear cell scar mage uh even kiln fiend and stuff there they're mm-hmm. all affordable powerful creatures now i do think that soul scar mage should probably have a reprint soon because Agreed. it is getting up to like seven or eight dollars a piece which is a little expensive considering you look at monetary swift spear and you're like why can't you be as cheap as her <laughs> like, yeah it's, why can't you be as cheap as taylor swift spear it's weird because it's it's really good in pioneer as well and it's a rare in a set mm. that wasn't opened a huge amount from what i remember because it was amonkhet so it's yeah. just, it's a weird one but i agree it should be reprinted hopefully soon yeah. Yeah, and the ability on it as well is really, really underrated. Like, people don't respect the ability on it. Being able to shrink creatures with burn spells is just beautiful. Yeah, so you've got, like, your typical burn culprits here as well. You know, you've got your lightning bolts, your lava darts for the the prowess kind of decks, and lava spike, uh, rift bolt, skewer the critics. It's just pretty much all, like, one mana, three damage to the face, Mm. you know? Um, which then also tend to double up as removal spells as well, because bolting a creature, it can be as good as bolting face in the right situation, you know? So they're all good options. And then under removal as well, I guess you can also include sweepers like Anger of the Gods and Sweltering Suns, even Pyroclasm, if tokens are particularly prevalent in your area. <laughs> um, yeah, loads of loads of different options for burn slash aggro slash removal just sound, you honestly it. it just sounds like you've whittled off like three mono red decks just there just because of just how as as you, as you said like how diverse red is like you've got prowess you've got burn you know it's just it's kind of crazy mm. that you can just slam a load of commons in the deck and go yep this will do yep that's it and we haven't even gotten to any of the more silly parts of red yet oh no this is like uh, the fair part <laughs> of red <laughs> yeah yeah fair red Mm. Um, do you want to do you want to go into the slightly less fair part that's coming up next? Yeah, uh, I hear it's pretty dreadful. I know that much. Oh God! <laughs> Why do I keep setting these up for you? <laughs> um, so red is also known for uh, discard synergy and graveyard interaction. Um, not in mm. a way compared to like black, where you have like unearth style effects, but you can recur creatures. You have stuff like cathartic reunion, which is a really good draw spell which has the downside of discarding a card because red is all about rummaging. If you're not familiar with the, the spell rummage, um, it's all about just looting away. You might know a, what, a thing or two about looting, Scott. Mm, yeah, yeah. Though, I, though I've become kind of faithless about looting lately. <laughs> um, so yeah, red is also really good at drawing, like sifting through cards, like drawing and discarding. Um, in most cases in modern, you probably want to fill up your graveyard because... Mm. 
is pretty good as a graveyard format. So stuff like Dredge, yeah. Carabao, stuff like Lightning Axe and Cathartic Reunion. And they are like the big enablers in Dredge because it allows you just to dredge more and remove threats and so forth. Like even Cathagorate yeah. is another one that's quite good that discards cards and you kill people. And then you've got um, cards, cards more recently like Red Horde Ar- Arcanus, which is a really interesting take on yeah. Snapcaster Mage personally. In mm. the right show, it can be a budget Snapcaster Mage. When it attacks, you can get to cast a spell for free, depending on its power, meaning to mm. the mana cost. Yep. Um, it's a really interesting card. I'm a big fan of it. I used to play it a lot in yeah, Boris Feather and Pioneer, because mm. you just play in lots of one, one mana spells, and you can just chain off and, you know, yep. go crazy. But yeah, that, that's one aspect of Red that doesn't really get talked about much, because people just seem to think Red is just like burn aggro, go face, whereas actually there's a lot more to it. Yeah, for sure. There's there's a lot more there's a lot more depth to red than people initially think, mm. for sure. Particularly when it like when it comes to these discard graveyard synergies, like like you said, it just it, it turbo powers dredge. Like cathartic reunion basically says discard two cards, dredge fifteen. Like yeah. that's essentially <laughs> what that says. Like it's it's bonkers. It's absolutely bananas. But yeah, so like you, you can you can be unfair in that side, you know, mm-hmm. with the cathartic, cathartic reunions and that kind of thing. And even Lightning Axe had the board of dredge as well mm. to be able to interact with with hate pieces that are creatures or whichever or fast clocks while also still furthering the game plan of of dredging away and stuff so another thing red is really good at is artifact hate which we see quite a lot in modern cyborgs do you want to take this one scott yeah absolutely and it's the thing is with artifacts it's not just hate it's also okay. some sort of weird and interesting enablers as well um the enablers you have stuff like you would have seen out of, say, affinity lists, which, you know, since the death of Mox Opal aren't really a thing anymore. But you can still see in like Wurza decks and stuff, you'll see like Galvanic Blast and Goblin Engineer and everything. And then you might even see Gearper Ether Grid out of sideboards. And then some decks, the, the older affinity lists or whichever, some ran Shrapnel Blast and that kind mm. of thing as well. So there are, there are things that, you know, care about having artifacts. It's, it's a bit of a niche sort of angle for red but it's it's definitely a thing that's worth mentioning because the things that they do are very powerful mm. but like i said when it comes to artifacts red is exceptional at destroying them so you have the the main sort of pieces for this would be say like a braid or shattering spree or uh, shenanigans is a personal favorite of mine Ooh, the, I do like shenanigans. The red yeah destroy target artifact dredge one so you can mm. just keep recurring it yeah, Whereas the players hate to see it. Yeah, it's it's very, very good. And particularly with the likes of a braid, which, by the way, is now, this is no, another stonks moment here. Because a braid was like $1.50 or so. Now it's like 20 cents, yeah. thanks to double stonks reprint. And it's been downshifted. Yes, downshifted to pauper. Yeah, which, which is big. Yeah, it's pretty big. It's pretty big. Um, yeah. I, I'm sure I'm going to have a, a, a rant on that at some point, um, sure. but it's got to be more on Popper as a whole. But I'm yeah, not going to I'm not going to subject you to that right now. <laughs> um, so artifacts are often seen as a way to abuse certain things. Like they tend to lean towards unfair stuff, and in the same kind of vein as that, red also leans towards unfair stuff. Like we mentioned already with the graveyard and discard synergy, but we've also got a lot of combo potential yep. in the color as well. Yes. And we got some good bits here. Um, would you like to take this or, or will I? I'll let you take it because I feel like you're closer to Storm than most people. <laughs> the Storm is brewing over here. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so when it comes to combo potential in red, 
it's huge you've got so many different things like you have the rituals like desperate ritual and piratic ritual uh, but you also have some potentially really busted cards like underworld breach you know aria of flame pyromancer ascension these are all like they're not designed to be played fairly they're no. like they released them and went break these they, they have no other use other than just like be a broken thing that once you start doing it you win the game same with like Runaway Steamkin. Some people were using it in standard to be able to accelerate a couple of things out in the mono red decks, but it's in some prowess builds. Uh, it's kind of fallen out of favor a little bit mm. in exchange for like Kiln Fiend and Bone Crusher and that kind of thing, but it's still pretty decent. Um, and then obviously you've got like all the good storm payoffs that are in modern are red. You've got Grape Shot, Empty the Warrens, that kind of thing as well. So if you want to do some busted stuff, Red is a really, really good combo color as well. So surprise, surprise, a lot of combo decks tend to be blue-red based. Mm. That too. And not to mention mm. you have stuff like Past in Flames, which is a great enabler. And you have Manamorphose, which mm. is also a great enabler, which are both red. Manamorphose, I think, is more of a yeah. red card than a green card, personally. Um, I agree. Yeah. But yeah, red's, red's pretty busted when you think about you know, what Storm has done in modern over the years. And I know it's a bit of a sore subject mm-hmm. for you, but stuff like, is it Phoenix recently as well? It's And even with yeah. like Hogak, you know, they were mostly enabled by red cards. For a long time, yeah. For a long Absolutely. time, yeah. And people don't, people don't quite understand. People just think, oh, oh, you know, green or green blue is like the most powerful combination now. I'm like, one, one time it was red. Yeah. One thing as well that red is good at, it's got card advantage, but not in the way that you would usually expect card advantage to be. Why don't you take us through that a little bit, Emma? Yeah, so it's a really weird one. When we talk about card draw in red, it's not to like not similar to like cathartic reunion where you have to discard to draw cards. Um, it's a little different in this case. So you have stuff like light up the stage and Abbot of the Carol Keep that um, will put the cards either in exile, so you can cast them from mm. exile, or you let them go to exile and then deal damage. Chandra Torture Defiance does this quite well as well. Yeah. Um, it's not permanent card draw. It's like, here's a card for a turn that you could have, if not just bolt someone, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So it's a really interesting sort of design, and it's it kind of leans into the color world because it means you have to be a little bit impulsive, which is a, a, a very red kind of trait. Um, it's very red, yeah. It's very red. And then you've got stuff like Bomat Carrier, which, you know, is greatly underrated in in general, I think. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, you've got stuff like Bedlam Reveler, which pitches to draw cards as well. Red is very situational in its card draw. It's not like blue, where you can just keep drawing and drawing and, you know, have a huge grip, of hand, have a huge grip. Mm. You kind of have to think about what you're discarding, which can make playing red quite difficult, to be honest. Yeah. Absolutely. One thing I noticed about a lot of the cards that you've just mentioned there, actually, is a lot of them are much newer cards, like yes. Torch of Defiance, Light Up the Stage, Bedlam Reveler, Bone Crusher. They're all cards that give you card advantage, but they've all been pretty recent. And to be honest, I think this is a fantastic direction to be taking red, as yeah. design-wise, in general, because you don't want to be able to give them busted card draw like they have in blue. Mm. You know, because then why run any other color? You know, you could just draw tons of cards, burn everyone out, have a great time. With this, like you said, there are restrictions on it. So it's still, but it's still there, you know, so you have the option to, like you said, like there, there is that dichotomy of like that with Abba the Carol Keep, for example, do I want to play this now on curve, Mm. skip the the card that I get off of it because I won't be able to cast it? Or do I wait a turn in order to get some extra value? And that gives you additional options with the cards and stuff. One one thing that's interesting with stuff like Abba the Carol Keep and 
keep and light up the stage. So it doesn't mm. often say cast. So you can normally play lands off it if you haven't played your land already. Yeah. Which is also something to think about when you're like, oh, you know, you know, if I play this Abbot of the Carol Keep, do I play my land first? Do I play my land first after hitting Spectacle to light up the stage? Or, you know, mm. these are really interesting sort of decisions that you kind of come around. Yeah, for sure. So... The next one, I'm not a fan of this one personally as a as a Tron pilot, and you will not be a fan of this when you start to play Mono Blue Tron. And I'm I'm already not that big on it to be honest. No, <laughs> you're not a fan of Tron lands turning into mountains. Can take it or leave it. So <laughs> next on the list is land destruction slash uh, land hate. I guess is the term. Um, yeah. So red is quite known for having what we call stone rain effects, which is a like a, a free mana spell that blows up a non basic land. Um, there's been quite a few of these in recent times. So you have you have stone rain, you've got molten rain. You recently had pillage as well from Modern Horizons. Yes. That was a reprint, which is a really good one. Um, and then you've got crumble to dust, which is really good against Tron. Sad face, sad yeah. reacts only. Um, and then you you come on to the big one, which is Blood Moon, which is one of the reasons why you play red, because it just hoses all these sort of fetch lands, shock lands, greedy yeah. mana bases, which we often see in modern, and it just blanks them all into mountains, and it just allows you to carry on with your game plan and slow the opponent. It's just so... I'm going to say miserable, because it is. <laughs> and I, I, I'm biased in that, because I'm a Trump player. But yeah, it can be quite difficult to play against, and it is very disruptive, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Like one of the one of the better decks at the moment is the Gruel mid range. Yeah. I guess it's called, but people still call it Ponza, even though they're not really playing that many land destruction effects anymore. But it does run, say, like main deck Blood Moons and all this kind of stuff, depending on the build. Mm. And it does run some, like you said, pillages and everything as well. So, like, it is still a viable strategy for sure. It's not one that I personally enjoy. And as you've obviously put across there, you definitely aren't a fan yourself. But it is it is an aspect. It's, it's definitely an older aspect. Like, you mm. don't really see any viable pieces come out of new sets that have a lot of land hate like i think the the most recent one is like alpine moon and even that's not even that good yeah yeah blood sun recently which was not that great either yeah really not that good another one that we haven't mentioned actually boil boil sees a lot of play at the moment yeah thanks to dryad of the elysian grove Mm. blow up all those lands yeah (laughs) but yeah red's really good at um disrupting mana which is you don't often see red as a disruptive strategy, but it's a really interesting like axis to take the color. Mm. And then one of the one of the other final pillars of red is one that's very near and dear to my heart. I gotta say, Ooh, I, is, I, uh, I'm shocked to hear this. <laughs> this kind of fits somewhere in between uh, the sort of unique card advantage aspect and also the combo potential side of things, and that's like spells matter slash value creatures. Uh, you'll know what you'll know what I mean when I get into this. Like for example, Young Pyromancer, you know that's definitely a spells matter creature. You know you cast some spells and you're going to get some value off it. But I said it there, it's also a value creature. You know, and even though it's hybrid, is it colors? Sahili Sublime Artificer, I'd argue, is a red card because a mono red deck can absolutely run it. Um, same with say like I like I said there in the combo ones earlier, like Pyromancer Ascension, Aria of Flame. They're all spell matters kind of things but also 
have that complete combo broken potential as well. Um, and then you just have just straight up value creatures as well, like like we said earlier, Bone Crusher, and then also like Pia and Kieran Lalar. Mm. Just a bunch of bodies in one like that. Those kind of things are really, really good. Just in general, you know, like whether you're against creature decks that have lots of uh, lots of like go wide strategies, you can just start creating a bunch of blockers, all sorts. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a bit more of a an, an aside or by the way kind of yeah. pillar of the of the color. Like it's a little bit more of a secondary role, but there are definitely enough good cards there to to warrant mentioning it for sure. I mean, it, it um, was important in one point in modern because Mardu Pyromancer was a thing, and that was built around oh, yeah. Young Pyromancer, and that deck was sweet. It's just was super good. It's just a bunch of cheap spells and making loads of bomb ones. And then you had stuff like Season Pyromancer, which is also should be worth mentioning, but it is ridiculous mm. money at the moment, as we found out before the show. Yeah. I was I was in I was in GP or Magic Fest Brussels, excuse me, Magic Fest Brussels, <laughs> uh, back in January or February before the whole world went into lockdown. And I found a pair of Season Pyromancers there for five euros each. I was like, oh, I'll take two of those and I'll put them into the sideboard of Monorail Prowess. And I just, while building the, the $100 color challenge uh, today, uh, I went to put um, Season Pyromancer on it and I updated the list and it just showed like $25, $26. So I was like, excuse me? <laughs> Stonks? Hello? <laughs> this is something that Double Masters hasn't had a reprint of. So it's not Stonks if you don't have them already, unfortunately. Yeah. It's a really weird one because it's in it's a mythic in a set that's not printed anymore and it's just high in demand because is it blitz mm. and prowess decks are just so popular right now and that's just like yeah. your best kind of card draw you can get. Yeah, absolutely. And that will bring us straight into our top five red cards. So at number five, Emma, would you like to take this one? I believe you are a bit of a fan of this. I am a bit of a fan because I was a big fan of Eldraine and I was a big fan of the adventure mechanic as it mm. puts two cards in one and it just gives you a lot of options, which is really good. It rewards, it gives you a really good play experience. And the card I'm talking about is one we talked about earlier and that's Brain Crusher Giant. Yes. It's really important to have like the instant on Brain Crusher Giant is so good. Like for mm. two mana, you get a damage can't be prevented this turn and deal two damage to any target. That is really huge in formats like Modern and Pioneer. And if you don't feel like casting Stomp, which is the two mana instant, you can just deploy a 4-3 that has this really interesting punishing effect that has to be dealt with. Yeah. And it's just it's just such a great card. And they're $1 each at the moment, which is just so good. A dollar each? One buck each in nice. paper. They're more online nice. than they are in paper because MTGO economy is weird. But yeah, picking up a set for $4 feels pretty stonks. I know we said stonks a lot, but it's stonks. (laughs) But it is stonks. That's It's important. Everyone, you need to know how stonks this is. Yeah, Adventure's a really fun mechanic, and I I do believe it can be evergreen, as in we can see it in non-Eldrain sets, just because it can fit, it's almost universal in what it can do. Yeah, absolutely. And what with Zendikar being a adventure-based plane anyway i would love nothing more than to see adventures mm. come back in zendikar rising zendikar rising that's the name of it right? yeah it's zendikar rising yeah, yeah. be very flavorful it would really really would and the previews for this 
for that set should be coming up pretty soon as well, right? Yeah, I believe the release is end of September. So mm. I would probably put previews down at the start of September. So I think we've got like a couple of weeks unless, um, you know, Mark Rosewater or someone from Watsy does get, mm. goes to our preview. Um, but I don't think the actual preview season will start until September. That's my guess just from, yeah. you know, previous sort of, you know, preview season. So, yeah. So you're telling me that we might actually get two weeks where we don't have previews? Yeah, it might be great. <laughs> well, it depends because there's been a couple of leaks already, hasn't there? So that might be premature. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never know. Hmm. Never know. Yeah. So number four is one that you've casted many of a time in, in uh, Is It Storm, I imagine. Oh, yeah. Not just not just as a storm either. Monorail prowess, too. We mm. are talking about Manamorphos. And before anyone says anything about, oh, it's not really a red card. It, it is. It is. I know it's hybrid gruel mana, but like, when have you ever tapped green to cast this? Let's be honest, right? Green but, decks don't need Manamorphos. They have all the other busted cards. <laughs> they've, they've got Uro. Why would they play Manamorphos? It's strictly better. <laughs> but... Yeah, Manamorphos is just busted. It's when when people first read this or when people are starting off magic, they look at this and go, This basically does nothing though, right? And technically, yes, it does nothing, but it also does everything. It adds to storm count for storm decks, it adds to prowess triggers, why that's why it's in prowess decks. You know, it's it's just got such utility. It can help fix mana potentially. It, it it's really, really good. It's one of the most painful cards to get remanded. But Ooh, yeah. but that aside, it's unreal. It's unbelievable. It's been in decks since forever. It's in Gift Storm. It's in Monorail Prowess, like I said. It's it's all over the place. Neobrand runs it as well. Like yeah. All sorts of broken decks run Manamorphos. It's really weird because I remember a time where everyone was like, yeah, Manamorphos needs to be banned because it's just an absurd <laughs> and an enabler. And yes, Modern's moved on since then, but it's just, it's just really entertaining just to look back and go, yeah, sure. Banamorphos. <laughs> Banamorphos. Banamorphos. Well, there was that time where everyone was like, everyone should ban Ancient Stirrings as well. And, you know, Moctopal oh, went and said, yeah, this is it. It's, it's just really weird just to look back and go, oh, yeah, this was busted. It should have been banned. But Manamorphos yeah. is one that crops up more often than not. Yeah. To be honest, like, I know people did say before that, like, Manamorphosis should be banned and stuff, and to a certain degree at the time, I would be inclined to entertain the idea, mm-hmm. but honestly, there are just way better things you could be doing in modern, like, like this is just a really good card. Yeah. In the type of deck that it runs in, it's insane, but those decks aren't broken in half, mm-hmm. so you're kind of fine. You know, it's exceptionally powerful. It's powerful enough to go on our top five, but it's not banworthy in any way, yeah. in my opinion. Just real good. Mm. And speaking of just real good, <laughs> I'm going to leave this one to you. Thanks. Specifically, because it's very funny to leave you with number three here, isn't it? Are you going to turn me into a mountain? <laughs> uh, maybe. Yep. Yeah, so number three on our list is unfortunately is Blood Moon. We talked about this earlier. Blood Moon's despite an, a really annoying card you know being Tron player and all it is really powerful and it's mm-hmm. not an effect we'll likely ever see printed into modern again which means it will always yeah. be played and it will always keep its price um, it got reprinted in Double Masters which is great um, they're, they're, it's not really budget but it is under $10 which is quite good for, for a Blood Moon given before Double Masters two weeks ago 
um, they were about $16. So you're saving mm. quite a bit just in those two weeks. And another good thing about Blood Moon is that you don't need to run four in most cases. Normally no. two or three is usually enough. Um, I would prefer if you didn't play four, you know, to help me out here. But yeah, so you can, for, for under, like, for about $15, you could probably just pick up two Blood Moons and then, you know, don't have to worry about it. And they'll probably go up at some point because they're really, really unique. Yeah. Yeah, they're really good. I personally hope they don't go up in price all that much because they do seem to be reasonably generous with the reprints on this. Because I remember when I started Magic back in, uh, it was about 2016 or thereabouts, these were like 30 euros each, roughly. Yeah. Um, they're now what, like seven dollars each or something? They're about perhaps? they're about seven to nine, depending on yeah. vendors and so forth. Yeah, and like that's fantastic. Like if yeah. that can get reprinted another couple of times to just make this as cheap as say Path to Exile or something, that'd be fantastic. Please but no. You'd be you'd be <laughs> you'd be glad to know, Emma, that I in Mono Red Prowess, I don't I don't board in Blood Moon versus Tron. Well, no, because the matchup's already really good anyway. You don't need to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just kill you on turn three you, instead you of casting a blood moon. <laughs> it's like, cool, yeah. I have this Ugin. Oh, wait, I'm dead. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, Blood Moon's a really good one to pick up. Um, For sure. It does have the probability of it going up just because it's a weird card, but grabbing a couple's always good to have. And if you are just a mono red deck, it is free for you in most cases because you mm. already have mountains. So yep. Mm. And the next one is one that you play quite a lot of as well. I'm seeing a pattern here. So there's a lot of lot of red cards that I play. This one we're getting swifty with uh, Monastery Swift Sphere at number two. We were talking about having Goblin Guide in this position, but we figured that Monastery Swift Spear is a little bit better, mostly because Prowess and Blitz decks are just doing so much better than Burn is at the moment. They're just the de facto aggro deck that you should be running if you're looking to run aggro in the format. Luckily, they can be taken in a number of different ways now as well, all of which are running Swift Spear. Yeah. Um, so the one mana, one two with Haste and Prowess, like, you, it doesn't really get much better than that. The one-two body is really awkward, just saying. The fact it's got two toughness is really mm. re- relevant a lot of the time. <laughs> Huge. Yeah. Because it's surprisingly easy to protect from damage-based removal, mm. but it's so aggressive. It's so unbelievably aggressive. Like, being able to, in a in a mono-red blitz deck or something, to be able to go turn one Swift Sphere into turn two Manamorphose into another Swift Spear, into a Bolt, that's an obscene amount of damage. That's an absolutely disgusting amount of damage. And that's how, that's why those decks do so well, is because they don't give anyone a chance to set up. And it's all because of the likes of Swift Spear. Soulscar Mage, you can put in here as well, but Soulscar Mage is quite expensive at the moment. Swift Spear is what, like a dollar each? Roughly? Yeah, it got reprinted a few times in um, mm. Master Sets, and it's an Uncommon as well, which lends to its price quite well. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fantastic creature. I think it's one of the best designed red creatures in a long time. Yeah. Personally, I, I prefer the design of Bonecrusher Giant, but in terms of power level, Monastery Swift Spear is just definitely better. Agreed. I remember when Kansantakia first came out, because that's when I f- first got into Magic, uh, like the tail end mm. of Magic 2015 into Kans, which is where Monastery Swift Spear was first printed. I just remember oh, yeah. all the burn players just going absolutely nuts, going, this card's amazing. We can find it. we finally have a card a new card to put in our deck because it's been so many years. And yeah, yeah now it's a staple. So Yeah, for sure. All the way down to legacy and everything as well. Mm. And now we're getting to number one. Now, if I had my way, this would be faithless looting. 
of course. But unfortunately, that is not the way that modern has gone for now. Uh, but, but instead, uh, we do have, to be honest, it like we've been dancing around saying it for like the entire episode, but it's it's incredibly obvious what the number one card in red is in the format. Emma, do you want to break the suspense finally? It's Scred, right? So anyway, that was the <laughs> BM cast. We got it wrong. Uh, we're quitting. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like a lightning bolt for Snowlands, right? Sort of. Kind of. I'm not entertaining this. I'm not okay. Okay. Number one is lightning bolt. If you didn't know already, because I don't think we could have anything else at number one. We could. We couldn't be taken seriously if we put anything no. else at number one. To be honest, no, I agree. Yeah. Um, it's it's just so powerful. It's like it's the most played card in. It is it is now since Astrolabe's been banned. Thank God. But before Astrolabe, it was yeah. still lightning bolt. Yeah. So. It's just so good. One mana, three damage, any target. So it turns clean. out, it turns out, it's been great since Alpha. Yeah. And like sometimes they just get the design right the first time. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, like, what is that? What else is there to say about Lightning Bolt that hasn't been said a thousand times already? It's just know? good card, playful, yeah. pick up four if you don't have them already. I always find with Lightning Bolts, you either have like two or twenty of them. You never just have like. Mm-hmm. You never have like a middle ground. So if you don't have lightning bolts, just pick up four and forget about it because you will probably play them at some point. Yeah. What's really frustrating for me is I have three of the Magic Fest full art ones. Ooh. Three. Oh. Which means I have to run a normal scrub one. Oh, the, no. <laughs> like an M11 one or something in the fourth slot. And it Blech. looks and feels horrible. Oh, but. if I if I was in proper tilt mode, because they've done a couple of full art lightning bolts now, haven't they? Because they did like the original yeah. player rewards, did, did a couple of different GP ones. I'll just have one of each full art, different art. <laughs> just legitimately tilt people. It's also an example of a card that it's so close to being broken. But it's not, and it never is broken. Sort of. Like, I personally don't think we could see Bolt in Pioneer. It's an interesting subject, isn't it? It's it's mm. it's been talked about a lot. I, I agree with you. I don't think we will see it. Um it's like in um historic, for example, the arena for you know, the arena format mm. where Lightning Bolt was in Jumpstart and they were like, nah, it's not it's not in it's not gonna be in historic because you know, it's probably going to yeah. be too good. Um, yeah, and so here's just, lightning strike instead, yeah. Yeah, this is it. And it's just it's just really weird, but I can kind of see their point where this staple card is probably suitable from modern onwards. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, if it got to a point where Pioneer had, like, you know, 25,000 cards in it or something and spanned, like, 11 years, then I'd be like, ah, Bolt would be okay now, I'd say. You know, but... As it stands at the moment, there are so many creatures that would just become stone unplayable in Pioneer, for example, if Bolt was in it. Well, know. it doesn't kill Euro, so... No, but two of them do. But then, yeah. that's a nine life point swing in Euro's favour. Like, yeah. no. No thanks. <laughs> so, Uro confirmed better than Lightning Bolt. All right, cool. Uh, the, the number one red card is Uro. We're all borked. Uh, <laughs> No, look, Bolt is still just great. Bolt is great. It does it does restrict the creatures that can be played. That's why it shouldn't go into Pioneer, in my opinion, because yeah. it will just warp the format a little too hard. But in Modern, it's great. I think it should fairly remain the the number one spell in the format. I absolutely agree there. Yeah. 
Okay, and that was the top five. So moving on from that, the final thing that we have today is... We've got one or two budget decks, as is tradition with our $100 Modern Color Challenge. We normally get one or two decks and use them as examples for sort of introductions into the format or into the color. And we're going to start off with a surprisingly powerful one. It's basically tier one, and that's Mono Red Prowess. So it sounds like we're cheating a little bit by saying Mono Red Prowess, but it is really that good. It, it really is. So the list, the list that I have here is is a slight variation of a list of five owed only about two days ago as of recording this. So it would have been about the 14th or thereabouts uh, of this month. And the deck, the entire deck is 160 something dollars for the five O list. The only thing that's missing is a single Horizon Land from the mana base just to keep it at the $150 mark, because that's where we try to keep it for the podcast and stuff. So if you have an extra Fiery Islet or Sunbay Canyon lying around, just put it in, replace a mountain with it, and then you have an actual factual straight-up Tier 1 deck. Um, so you have the aggressive creatures, like we were talking about there, the Monastery Swift Spears, the Soul Scar Mages. We've got two Kiln Fiend, and then for a bit of value, we have some Bone Crusher Giants. We have one Bone Crusher Giant in the main. We've got one in the sideboard. And then three Bedlam Reveler as our big, go big late game to refill our hand. And then just a bunch of cheap burn spells and, and cantrapping red cards. And play a set of Mishra's Bubble, which you can get really cheap right now. Yes. Hashtag stonks. But yeah, this deck, this deck's bonkers. It's absurd. I've been isn't saying it? this for months. Yeah. So good. What do you say about it? You know, you just go sideways. And the one really good thing about Prowess, it can hold its own in the late game as well. Because in other prowess lists, you have stuff like Season Pyromancer, which is really good mm. at just rummaging for an answer or making some tokens. And then you have stuff like Fiery Islet and Sunbait Canyon just to draw into more gas, just to keep it yeah. going. Um, it's surprisingly resilient. Mm, absolutely. It's, yeah, you, you look at the list and you're like, can this really be like top level mm. like there's a bunch you're running four crash through for crying out loud like come on what the card are you doing is, the card is I, terrible but it's the one of the best cards in this deck <laughs> it's so good with kiln fiend yeah it's so good because everyone just forgets that it gives your creatures trample there have been many many times where i've had a kiln fiend out and i've gone crash through and they're like yep and then i'd like go like you know manamorphos another spell another spell flashback lavadar or whatever attack and they're like uh yeah i'll block with like you know a four four or something, and then I'm mm. like, okay, cool, game two, and they're like, wait, what? <laughs> they just think it's a one man draw card. card. Yeah, this is yeah. The trample is very yeah. very relevant in this deck. Big time, big time. Uh, yeah, I like. There's very very little to actually say about the deck that hasn't already been said about it. Mm. Similar to Lightning Bolt, obviously. Well, there's four Lightning Bolt in this too, but yeah, it's just exceptionally powerful. It's just all the best red cards at the mm. moment, really. Um, actually, do we have, I'm just looking at this list here, every single one of the cards on our top five is actually in this deck. Every oh, single nice. one of them. Yeah, so we've got Bone Crusher Giant in the main and the side, we've got Manamorphos in the main, we've got Blood Moon in the side, we've Swift Spear in the main, and Lightning Bolt in the main. Nice. This is just the perfect example of <laughs> jam good red cards together and win games. Yeah. Yeah. This is if you if you had to pick any deck to uh, for a single color going into modern, this would be the one that I would recommend anyway. Yeah, sure. I always I when people go, oh, where do I start when it comes to playing modern? I'm like, just pick up a really cheap red deck for a hundred dollars, 
Um, mm. It will teach you the fundamentals, and often, more often than not, a lot of modern decks are quite slow, so you're just going to trample over them. And stuff like Kim Fiend is just going to eat people for days. Yep, for sure. And I believe you have a you have a nice mono red list as well there. Yeah, right? so it's it's a it's not quite prowess. It's more it's more traditional burn. Um, so mm. a list I have is is mono red burn five o five o last week actually on uh, Magic Online, and it runs a card that we haven't talked about, which is really sweet, which is called Chandra's Incinerator. Mm. So you what, call this more traditional burn, yet it's running a six drop. Yeah, so it's traditional in the sense that it's running stuff like Lava Spike, Lightning Bolt, Skull Crack, Searing Blaze, Rift Bolt, Skewer the Critics, all your traditional sort of burn spells that you would normally see in modern. But it is also running a Chandra's Incinerator, and if you don't know what it is, I will read it to you now. Um, So for five generic and a red, you get an elemental that is a 6-6, and it reads... This spell could cost X less to cast, where X is the total amount of non-combat damage dealt to your opponent this turn. It also has Trample, which, you know, why not? And it also reads, whenever a source you control deals non-combat damage to an opponent, Challenger's Incinerator deals that much damage to target creature or planeswalker that player controls. So, if you have, like, the nuts hand, this could pretty much just be, like, a one-mana 6-6. Six, six. On turn two, yeah. On turn two, and... Chandra's Incinerator is out of like lightning ball range. You have to like path it and you can't push mm. it because it's six mana. Um, yeah. You can't dismember it either because it was it will be a 1-1. One, one. And it's, mm. it just seems like a really fun build around. Um, so yeah, all, all you want to do is just deploy your Goblin Guides and your Monastery Swiss Spears and just turn sideways, push through loads of damage, just deploy this 6-6 six, six, and then just, just take away with it. Another card that mm. is also running, which we haven't talked about, which is Seal of Fire, which is an interesting one. Mm. Which saw yeah. a lot, which saw a lot of play when Luris wasn't you know errated to be you know bad. bad. Um, <laughs> but your seal of fireworks in this deck is a one mana enchantment that can shock, basically um, does the job. Yeah. Um, and then your land base is very similar to the monorail prowess list, so you have a couple of fiery islets and a couple of sunbaked canyons just to refuel mm. your hand in the late game. But yeah, overall this seems quite fun, and it comes it comes to about one seventy dollars. Um, but you could yeah. easily trim a couple of the, the like the, the horizon lands to make it cheaper, and you can also cut out the idol and the great revel on the sideboard as well, um, which is another mm. card we haven't talked about, which is quite good. <laughs> it's quite good. It's a little pricey at the moment for, for sure. was it about seven dollars thereabouts? Um, yeah, and it doesn't see a whole lot of play, but it's no, still pretty good. I could I could easily see myself playing this at an FNM without idolons, and it would easily be like under one fifty, and I would just have a blast of a time because then. Because then people oh, yeah. people will do the thing that I mentioned before, do the cough test where you play a cough with the hammer and your player will immediately read it because they have no clue what it does. And Chandra's <laughs> Incinerator is the absolute same. And it it, yeah. it gives you a bit of joy because you're like, oh, I've played a card that you just completely don't know about and it's going to kill you. Yeah, yeah. One good thing to point out about Chandra's Incinerator is while it's out, that additional ability on it, where whenever a source you control deals non-combat damage to an opponent, it deals that much damage to a creature or a planeswalker. That just, while that's out, that further incentivizes you to keep taking down their life total rather than pointing your burn spells at creatures. Because this just takes care of them for you while you're, you know, lava spiking your opponent, which is great. But yeah, to me, this list just looks like burn, but make it fun. That's, I think, the best way to describe it. Yeah. Um, Seal of Fire is also great for setting up Incinerator, actually. Turn one Seal of Fire, turn two, sack it, and then bolt face, and then Incinerator. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Um, 
I kind of see this as the if you want to play something different to Burn or Prowess at an FNM, just jam four mm. incinerators and four sealer fires, and it will surprisingly play a little different, even though it kind of does the same thing. If that makes sense, it's, you're still burning yeah. people, but you're doing it in a different way. Yeah, this is really sweet. Mm. Really, really sweet. Yeah, so I might have to see this up. <laughs> yeah so if you wanted to if you wanted to get into the format um in red i would recommend prowess if you're looking to be a little more competitive or looking to make optimal plays and stuff if you're looking to have a little bit more fun but still win games i would definitely pick this list but if you wanted to go just full jank lord and, oh God. and 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 want to play storm but you just hate blue uh, i have made a list all right this is a steam storm right <laughs> this is a mono red storm list <laughs> That looks to abuse Runaway Steamkin. I'll add the I'll add the list to the to the show notes as well, right? But Runaway Steamkin, I'll read it out in case people forgot what it does. It's uh, one and a red for a one one elemental, and whenever you cast a red spell, if it has fewer than three plus one plus one counters on it, you put a plus one plus one counter on it, and then you can remove three plus one plus one counters from Steamkin to add three red mana to your pool. So the idea is get a Steamkin down and then cast a bunch of spells. And then just keep going, casting a bunch of spells, drawing a bunch of cards, and then eventually you either launch and empty the warrens to make a bunch of goblin tokens, or you just grape shot your opponent a bunch of times. And it's surprisingly consistent. It's really strange because it runs 15 lands, right? It's Ugh. an extremely low land count. 15 lands, but you've also got four Simeon Spirit Guide, another red card we didn't talk about, but it's a unique one. And it runs, like we said earlier, Cathartic Reunion, discard a bunch of cards, draw some cards. And it also runs uh, Thrill of Possibility and Tormenting Voice. They're just weaker versions of Cathartic Reunion. Then you're running the Ritual Effects, Desperate Ritual, Pyretic Ritual to add more mana. It's running a very weird one and we would be forgiven for not actually talking about this one at all or even considering it and that's reforge the soul so yeah i forgot this card existed (laughs) it's a five mana sorcery with a miracle so you can cast this for its miracle cost when you draw it if it's the first card you drew this turn it's one and a red for the miracle cost and each player discards their hand and draws seven cards so you're looking to just cast a bunch of bunch of spells with Steamkin out and generate a load of mana, and then just keep cycling through the deck. Get some grape shots. Get some empty the warrens. Great stuff. Let's go. Happy days. It's it's incredibly incredibly stupid. Uh, it also sorry runs Pyromancer Ascension. Mm. It's really dumb. Uh, Pyromancer Ascension just to double up on like all the spells that you do, so you can you know if once Pyromancer Ascension is online, you can draw six with Cathartic Reunion. You can add six mana with a ritual effect. Uh, you can copy grape shots. <laughs> it's really dumb. Really, really, really dumb. Um, but it's got it's got a really interesting sideboard plan. I was going to ask um, about I, this. I do really like the. Yeah. Like, I saw the one card. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. So a lot of combo decks that run like the ritual effects and stuff have this specifically against like burn decks, right? And that's the Madcap Experiment combo. Madcap Experiment, another card we didn't talk about, but it's it's got broken written all over it. It's three and a red for sorcery. You reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal an artifact. You put that card onto the battlefield and the rest in the bottom of your library in a random order, and it deals damage to you equal to the number of cards revealed this way. So how do we break that? Well, the only artifact that we put into our deck will be Platinum Empyrean that says your life total can't change. So by the time it hits the battlefield, you then lose life. But your life total can't change. So you basically paid four mana to tutor up an 8-8 that now says that 
essentially, for, for all intents and purposes, you can't lose the game. So Burn has a really, really hard time against this kind of thing. Um, it's really fun. Sometimes you just jank out a win with that. Like, honestly, this deck, like, I wouldn't recommend building it. If you just happen to have the cards around, then take this out and goldfish it a bit, because it's great fun, but... Also, how yeah. much is Reforge the Soul? Reforge the Soul, to be fair, is expensive. It's 36 for a playset. I don't so, get why. It must be Commander, right? I think it's Commander, yeah. It also, I don't, think, I don't think it's ever been reprinted either. Uh, that and could it's be as well. But no, it's just... Restored? Yeah. It's a good while ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I included this more for the memes rather than, you know, an actual viable choice. But, like, hey, look, if it floats your boat, you like, say go right that. ahead. You say that. I could probably lose to this at an FNM and I'd be happy about it. Yeah, to be honest, it's one of those decks where you're like, how do I how do I deal with this? I don't know what you... What are you doing? <laughs> it's it's very silly. I've played, I've played it a hole, like, twice. And... I have I have won twice to be fair. Now that's mostly down to the fact that a lot of these cards are just storm cards that I'm used to casting anyway, but like it's good. It's a nice change, I guess. It's mm. probably about the best I can say about it. I can definitely see myself building this from going through like the draft chat box at my LGS, for example. Yeah, you could definitely pick up a bunch of stuff from it there, mm. yeah. But uh yeah, yeah, I think that's a that's an odd one to to leave on, but mm. there we go. That's that. <laughs> All right, so that's pretty much it for red. As you can see, it's it's an exceptionally powerful color in modern. You know, between being able to burn you out or being able to mess with your mana base or being able to just cast a million spells and kill you on the spot. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's definitely the color, I think, if someone is starting off going into modern and they're like, where do I start? Start with red. You're never really going to go that wrong, you know? Also... I find red to be the best mono-colour strategy, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. yeah, you don't yeah. really see many mono-white or mono-blue or mono-green decks that pull up results. Sometimes you see it with mono-white with stuff like Soul Sisters, mm. but mono-red but red has the benefit of you've got this really cheap deck, it just happens to also be really powerful as well, which <laughs> you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't say for other colours. No, not really, to be fair. You know, like some of the, some of the best cards in other colours are kind of expensive, but in red, a lot of them are just really cheap and it's really viable um, overall, especially when you're on a budget. Um, like we said, basically, we we have a tier zero deck as one of our budget examples. Yes. So, yeah. But that is it, like we said, for red. We will be back next week when we talk about my personally least favorite color, but I'm sure you feel differently about that, Emma. It is my favorite color, so this is going to mm-hmm. be a great episode. We're going to be talking about green. Woo! Ugh. Thank you for listening to the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com. You can follow us at the BMcast on Twitter, search for Budget Magic Cast on SoundCloud, and support us over at patreon.com forward slash budgetmagicast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.